Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to a special episode of Team Success. I am really, really thrilled to have my friend and 10X strategic coach client, Chad Willardson, on the call today. And this is an author interview on his newest book called Smart Not Spoiled. So normally this Team Success podcast is all about people's professional teams, but today we are going to have a special conversation about your personal team, aka your family. And Chad, I am really excited because you have written a book with your financial expertise about how we can have even more successful families and have our personal legacy in terms of how our kids end up, which is, I don't know about anybody else, but super important to me that they're happy and successful and can make their own way in the world. Because I know when I was young, I was like, how am I going to make a living? Never could have I dreamt of what I'm doing right now. So I am thrilled that you have written this book. So first of all, thank you and welcome to Team Success. I appreciate it. Happy to be here, Shannon. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, you've also written a book called Stress-Free Money, which is for the person listening, (laughs) for everyone listening as an adult. But now this book is really for kids. So I'm excited for, as you're listening, to understand these money mindsets that you can coach your kids on. Also, it may involve some personal reflection for yourself because you may like go, oh, I wasn't raised with that. I need to learn a few things. Chad, before we jump into what those money skills are, what inspired you to write the book? You work with a lot of wealthy people and you've got five kids of your own, which is kind of incredible. So what inspires you to write this book? What was your motivation for wanting to get this out there? Yeah, great question. The first book, Stress-Free Money, was all about overcoming the obstacles. I put seven obstacles to find financial freedom. And it really was just helping entrepreneurs and families figure out how to navigate the financial world. But then I just, you know, of course, after taking care of myself, it's like the analogy of put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then put it on your kids next. And as a father of five, my thought quickly turned to how do we empower the next generation to be financially thoughtful and capable? And I thought back to my own upbringing and what do we talk about at home at the dinner table about money? You know, did we talk about it at all? And one of the things I see in our clients is that whatever they were taught about money as children stays with them, regardless of their future. You know, they may be very successful financially, but if they have some things in their past, it's kind of that money blueprint. It gets planted in their mind at a very young age. And so the goal, what inspired me to write Smart Not Spoiled was to give parents and families specific actionable ideas of the what and the why and the how to teach kids about money. And the spoiled part, I think is important because we're all in a world with so much more access than when we were growing up as kids. Mm -hmm. At least the concern for me is that I don't want my kids to grow up to be spoiled. I want them to learn to struggle and to overcome challenges and to be smart with money and not just think that the bank of mommy and daddy is always going to take care of them regardless, right? So those are some of the thoughts I had as I wrote this book. Mm, That's amazing. And in terms of, you know, both of us know a lot of people like strategic coach clients, like very successful entrepreneurs, very successful team leaders, you know, people who do well financially. And there is a bit of a danger. And I know it's a massive worry First of all, most people grow up with a lot of stress talking around money around the dinner table. So that's point number one. But number two is they worry about how their kids are going to turn out because we live in a much more, for the most part, abundant world than the one that we came from. At least we see that a lot. So do you see that as a concern that some of your clients have as you help them do better financially? They're worried about their kids. 
I'd say that's the number one concern. Mm -hmm. I think it's almost, especially the more successful you are, the success and the money for yourself, the cash flow, that's less of a concern because you've kind of already got that taken care of. Now your concern is how do I not ruin my kids? Because, you know, a lot of our clients are first generation wealth creators. They're entrepreneurs that struggled, that had this great escape story where they created something that was their dream and now it's become successful. And then they look at their kids and they're like, wait a second, where's their struggle and challenge and overcoming perseverance story? Where's that going to come from if they've got so much material abundance surrounding their lifestyle? And, you know, when I've talked to clients about this book, Smart Not Spoiled, you know, they just want to get their hands on it right away because it's like, that's their number one concern. How do I keep these principles and values of my family? And what do I teach my kids about money when money is not a struggle? We're not struggling to buy groceries. How can I teach my kids all the financial skills so they can go out in the world and be independently successful and not dependent on me? Yep. That makes so much sense. I hear that a lot too. So before we jump in, I'd love to know a little bit about your past. How were you raised? How was money handled in your family? And what was your own story for how you got here? So I'm the oldest of four kids. We grew up in a very modest middle income household. I know by the world standards, we were probably doing very well. But as the oldest of four, my dad, my parents are pretty frugal. And we didn't talk about money much. I mean, I, I saw my mom balancing the checkbook. She would use coupons at the grocery store and she would write down her transactions in her little checkbook. I remember that. But we, I didn't get a lot of money lessons or money guidance as a kid. I just knew that, you know, we didn't go on big vacations. We didn't even go out to eat very much. It was too expensive. And so a lot of the sports camps that all my friends could go to, they cost $100 or things like that. And we couldn't afford to do it. There wasn't anything wrong with that. I didn't feel sad for myself, but I did have motivation to be successful someday that I wouldn't have to worry about the expenses. I could have more choice and freedom. But I would say I was raised in just a basic, you know, modest household. Our house was around a thousand square feet. There were four kids. My parents shared a 10 year old car. So we were getting by, we were doing fine, but I think there's so much more opportunity for us today with the resources out there and with technology that we can really empower these young people to be creative and to be financially capable as they're growing up because too many just graduate high school and then it's like, all right, good luck. You're an adult now, but really they're not prepared, not by the school system and not by the parents. And so that's what I'm trying to solve with this book. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a massive gap. And I know my parents split up when I was younger, kind of 12, I think. And, you know, one was more frugal. And so what I got was not stress-free, but the stress part of money. Because sure. <laughs> you know? I kind of had two single parents, right? One paid more attention than the other one. The other one was just, you know, frugal about it. And when my dad met my stepmom, she was a CPA so or CMA. So she kind of you know, he was more penny wise, pound foolish, I think is what we would have agreed on. So yeah, so the messages that we all get are, it's not clear financial literacy. It's not something it's okay to talk about. It's not something that, you know, my kids have asked me because they're like, okay, we're, we're rich. Like, I'm like, uh, I don't consider myself rich, <laughs> but compared to some of their friends, we are well right. off, right? So right. how do we talk about this without getting super uncomfortable? It's like almost oh, as uncomfortable as some of the other conversations yes. we need to have with our kids, probably maybe even more so. So it's interesting. And I'm thrilled that you are setting a huge, massive context and laying it out 
in terms of what they are. So we're going to dive into as many as we can. One of those studies, Shannon, said that parents are more comfortable talking about drugs and sex to their kids than they are about money. Uh And it's like, why? Why do we make it such an uncomfortable topic? You know, maybe we're insecure about how much money we make or we want to be confidential because we have a lot and we don't want our kids to feel entitled to it. But the point is, let's make money a comfortable family conversation. Let's not be so weird about it. Let's not make it just emotional. Parents fight about money. Families fight about money. And so if that's all the kids sees, then they think money must be bad because my family, when they talk about it, they fight. And that doesn't need to be the case. This is really interesting. I actually want everyone, every background, every, everything. I want everyone to have access to this information, Agreed. right? Like some of us start off in a middle, you know, middle-class households, but I want people at every level of society. I know the wealthy are super concerned that because the kids have been raised in such abundance that there's no way the kids have a clue as to how to do it for themselves. But I also really want people who are raised with a more scarcity mindset to go, oh, money is out there. I just have to figure out how to connect with it and I'll have it. Right. So I'm really hoping that this book transforms a lot of people's comfort level and capability with money. I hope so. I'm sure eventually our publisher will have, I think we did it on the last book, Stress Free Money, where she had the the Kindle or the ebook or something was like 99 cents. So I, I hope it's accessible and read by people of many different backgrounds for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into some of the seven money skills which is great. And I want to share some just experiences like your experience with these, mine, because I think that's interesting. I did have some good coaching from my mother, which I'm very appreciative. So I'm going to list all seven so that I'm not holding anyone in dire suspense, but then we'll dive into some of the key ones. Number one is invest early and often, which I think is super cool. Number two, borrow wisely. Three, know their cash flow, which I wish I'd talked to my kids more about cash flow. Four, talking taxes. Five, learning to earn, just the entrepreneurial part, very exciting. Six, protect who and what they care about. And seven, give generously. So those are the seven money skills. So let's jump into number one. We'll touch on what we can, but invest early and often. What is your advice for parents and their kids with regard to invest early and often? This comes from a situation when I was a sophomore or junior in high school and I had a teacher who kind of went off subject and talked about how if we just invested $100 a month every month until we were 65 and earned a growth rate of a 10%, that we'd end up with almost $2 million. And I just remember I couldn't get it out of my head. I just kept thinking like $100 a month, $100 a month, that's all it's going to take if I could just invest that every month. And I was 16 or 17 at the time. And I think that lesson is something that we talk about, we hear about it, but we don't do anything about it. At least most parents, most of us don't. So teaching kids to invest early and often has actually never been easier. Mm -hmm. With so many different financial apps out there and, and the ability for technology to assist kids in learning about investing, really, we have no excuse. We can help our kids and grandkids get their investment experience, get their feet wet and learn about the benefits of compound growth because the earlier these kids start investing and and learning about what that means, the more financially successful they will be down the road. So sacrifice a little bit now for all the freedoms and the growth and the opportunities in the future. And to me, that's just a very critical lesson to teach young people. Mm, I love it. My mom had me invest in 
a money market account. Mm-hmm. That didn't last all that long, to be perfectly honest. But then she had me invest in, you know, it's called an RRSP in Canada. It's IRA, I believe, in the US. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hit a very nice number, sure <laughs> which I'm very excited about, you know, 30 years later. But it's kind of amazing. And because it's hard to take out and there are penalties, I wasn't tempted to spend it like I was the money market account. That lasted like three years. Yep. I, was, I was 25 when it started. So you're totally right. And I'm so glad that I got that piece of it. And I have to tell you, at 25, did I want to start putting money into my retirement account? Right. No. No. Yep. I did not. But I did. And I'm glad I did. So it's paid off handsomely. I have to thank her for that. Actually. Yeah. And I would say for all the entrepreneurial listeners out there, that's something that our clients, we help them do is if they own a business, we look at employing their kids and grandkids. We look at ways that the company can pay their kids and grandkids for work that they actually legitimately do and then invest those funds in retirement accounts at a very young age. Mm-hmm. The time value of money and the compounding growth will really, really magnify what you're paying them. And there are plenty of tax benefits for doing so. So mm-hmm. it's a win for the entrepreneur. It's a win for the family leadership. And it's a win for these young people who are trying to just get started and, and learn about investing. So a lot of great opportunities there. You just said a new favorite term for me, family leadership. Because that's really what this is about, right? Yes. And people listening are leaders in their companies, you know, with their teams, everyone's interested in teamwork who signed up for that. Well, you would never go through a business without a business plan and you would never have no roles or training for the people in your business. But for some reason, we don't do that with the family. We just kind of, we kind of just wing it. But really with the family, you should have a family business plan. You should have a family governance plan, leadership plan. You should have roles for the kids that they can learn and train and develop and cross train. You should find ways to reward their efforts and, I think using the financial tools and resources out there is a great way to really involve and engage the younger generation in those kind of leadership training opportunities. I could not agree more. And can you share one story? It's, it's a great story. And I've actually heard it before where the kid comes to the dad. Mm-hmm. says, dad. Yes. Which one would you end up more? He plays out a scenario. Yeah. And the answer, yep. well, you were shocked by the fact that I dad was. Yeah, so- so share that. We were having breakfast at a family resort in St. Thomas, Thanksgiving 2020. We got away for Thanksgiving. I was sitting at breakfast at the buffet at our own round table. And I heard the kid next to me was really loud at this other round table. And he said, Dad, Dad, I've got a question. Which would you rather have? I'll pay you $100,000 a day for a month. Or I'll pay you a penny on day one two pennies on day two, four pennies on day three, and double it until the end of the month. Which would you rather have? Me listening, I know there's a catch. I know there's some kind of, okay, he's reeling in his dad here, but the dad said, 100,000 a day, buddy, that's easy money. You know, it's over $3 million. And the kid excitedly said, that's wrong. No, dad, you want to have the penny and have it double and grow because at the end you'd have over $5 million. And the dad kind of says, what? No, that's not possible. And he said, no, 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 let me show you. And he pulls out his calculator and he starts showing his dad. And this kid had to be maybe 10 years old. And it just goes to show that the natural instincts of us is to discount the value of compound growth. Now, of Mm -hmm. course, doubling your money every day is It's not feasible, it's not reasonable, but that's not the point. The point is you're starting with a penny and you've got 30 days. You'd think that the 3.1 or $3 million 
in a month is going to be a lot more than starting with a penny and doubling to two cents. So I think these principles are very learnable for young people and, you know, kids learn by doing. So yeah. if we can get kids involved in the actual investing, help set up accounts for kids and help them make small mistakes while they're young, then they'll be able to avoid big mistakes when they're older. I love it. There's a similar story with rice and a chessboard in The Richest Man in Babylon mm -hmm. by George Klassen. But just, I love that story because it, you're right, the compounding, unless you are aware of it, you are kind of clueless and you can get caught. So I love that. Thank you. So pick one of the other ones that you want to talk about, borrow wisely or know their cash flow. I know that's one that I, you have a couple of cool principles about borrow wisely in terms of borrowing for things that actually will increase in value rather than not. And smart debt versus dumb debt. Yeah. So borrow wisely. I think it's really important. It's scary. You know, my daughter's almost 17, my oldest. And the second they turn 18, they're eligible for credit card solicitations. And literally they get bombarded in the mail yep. for these 35% a year interest rate credit cards. Hey, you got free money. We're going to send it to you. Just spend and let's get you hooked on our interest you know, payment plan of the credit card company. So I think we need to prepare our kids to help them understand the difference between maybe good debt and bad debt and understand how to borrow strategically, who to borrow from, what are the borrowing costs? What makes you a good person to lend money to? Yeah. There are a lot of financial gurus out there who are on the extremes. You know, some of them like Dave Ramsey say no debt at all is good debt. You know, you should be debt free before you even start investing. I personally don't agree with that. There are others who say, take as much debt as you can and go crazy, you know, leveraging your real estate to buy more real estate, leveraging that to buy more. And I think there's some place in the middle that makes a lot of sense, which is borrow strategically and thoughtfully, borrow money for things that go up in value. And I give the two basic examples of borrowing for college. Potentially your college experience could enhance your earnings power. That's not a guarantee anymore in my opinion borrowing for a house, borrowing for an investment in a business. These things are things that make sense. Borrowing for everyday purchases and spending for consumer gadgets and toys, like that's the kind of stuff that I think young people can get and old people can get into big trouble with. So I talk a lot about some of the specific ways to teach kids about borrowing. And I think it's just an important topic. We need to talk about debt because Actually, last night on the flight home, I read something that said over 75% of Americans carry credit card debt that's at least $10,000, mm -hmm. yet over half of people when surveyed claim that they have no consumer debt. So we're, we're either living a lie or we have no idea how much we're actually borrowing and spending at this point. Or we don't know that credit card debt is consumer debt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We think we're debt free, but you know we're going to pay that off at some point. So therefore, we don't really count it. But really... We're getting eaten alive by the fees and interest charged on these cards. So real life story that happened to me. So 1983 or something, when I went to university, I was 18 and I got sent credit cards and then I used them and then I got into debt and it was brutal. I actually took a year off school and worked two jobs to pay off the thing wow. because I was in way over my head. My family, although you know, middle class didn't have that kind of, I may have been too embarrassed to tell them that could be the other factor, but it was not good. And then I had to be much, much smarter. And I know someone else, same, same trap, you know, at a really young age. And unless you have, you know, 
five or 10 years of someone coaching you, it's really easy to fall into that trap because they make it so easy. It's interest-free for a little while. You know, don't worry about it. And then you're like, I have no cash to pay this off and you can get really toast. So it has some pretty big consequences for me and other people I know. Absolutely. No, that's important. I mean, educating kids around the dangers of debt and making them aware of what's out there. So yeah, I think another good topic to talk about is learning to earn since the audience here is entrepreneurs. Like we talk about and coach the results economy and the time economy. And I think that's an extremely important lesson for these kids is there are many different ways that they can earn money. And that's something I've taught my kids. We talk about starting a business. We talk about being a partner in a business. We talk about getting a job that pays you by the hour or by the sale. And giving kids these different options will expand their thought process. You know, there's a restaurant down here called Chick-fil-A. A lot of people know it. Yep. And my daughter's friends, a lot of them have jobs at Chick-fil-A. And they're excited because they have a job and they work a certain amount of hours and they get paid a certain amount. And my daughter likes the idea of that because it's a steady known amount, but she's also done some other entrepreneurial things where she gets paid based on results or based on the sale. And it's like, gosh, that did not take me five hours to make the same amount that I would make in five hours. And so I think these are great lessons to teach kids about opportunities to make money. And it doesn't have to be necessarily in a time-based economy situation. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, when you're focused on results, you actually start paying attention to what is needed, what is wanted, what are people willing to pay for? Is there a problem I can solve for somebody? And it has you connect with the marketplace much differently than it's just, oh, someone's willing to hire me. Yeah, I think it actually raises people's awareness levels of what's useful in the world, what's going to create value that people are willing to pay for. That's a great point. That's the reason I've never paid my kids an allowance. (laughs) Oh, talk about this. Thank you. That was one of the points I want. So why have you never paid your kids an allowance? I love it. I just have never felt good about giving them money just to exist. (laughs) And I know some people will argue with me on that, but like getting paid to breathe just never connected with me. And so in the book, I have an actual spreadsheet of the points and reward system that we created as a family. That basically we call it the menu of opportunity. And the kids are able to look at the menu of opportunity each day and each week and decide what effort to put forth. And really, there's a big range. My second child, Pierce, he's very much a saver. He loves to earn a lot of money and put it away for different goals that he has. And he will max out every week. So he comes in on Saturday morning with his spreadsheet every single day marked off all the different things that he's done and gets paid based on the points he's earned. But there are many boxes. So some examples might be like mopping the garage floor, vacuuming the car, you know, doing the dishes, helping your younger sibling with their homework, doing different things like that, that they can earn points on. But there are empty boxes I have that are basically see a need, fill a need. So they see something that needs to be done. They come to me or to my wife and negotiate a value on it. And so they'll say, hey, I noticed that, let's say, all the stuff in the attic needs to be cleaned up and organized and the boxes need to be labeled or something like that. I think it's going to take me three hours and I'd like to get paid $40 for it. So they can actually see a need, fill a need and find opportunities to negotiate and basically bid for a project. And to me, that experience is so much more valuable than saying, 
hey, another Saturday passed by and here's your money for breathing again this week and making your bed and brushing your teeth like a normal human being. So that's just the way I look at it. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you really feel? <laughs> I just out of curiosity with five kids, how much do you guys end up paying out every week? A lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but but <laughs> it's probably way more than they would earn an allowance. But that's the thing, like they're working hard for it. It's like the switch turned on. Actually, I did this with babysitters too. When we used to have babysitters when my kids were younger, I created a babysitting guide because I just noticed there was such a different level of babysitters. Some babysitters would plop a movie on for four hours and sit there with my kids, eat the pizza I bought, and then shuffle them up to bed versus the babysitter who was playing games with them, reading to them, clean the dishes, wipe the counters, read them a story before bedtime. Like such a different quality level of babysitter. So I basically said, your base pay is X and it was really low. But I said, if you want to earn more, if you do this, if you read to the kids, you get a plus $1 per hour. If you clean up the kitchen, you get a plus $2 per hour. And I made it like incentivized. If you watch a movie, that's fine. It's minus $2 per hour. If you leave the mess that was already there, that's fine. It's minus $1 per hour. So I wanted to put the power in their hands to decide how much they wanted to earn based on the effort. And the crazy thing is, as soon as we made that system for our babysitters, everyone was maxing out. And it's like every single babysitter, regardless of who they were, did an amazing and phenomenal job because they wanted the most money. And so as soon as our kids got a little bit older, when my oldest was 11 or 12, I said, all right, we're going to do this system for our kids and basically make it completely incentive-based. So they they can be lazy during the week. That's fine. They're not going to have their privileges and they're not going to earn any money. Mm -hmm. But what I found is they really do put it to the test and they really maximize their effort because it's right in front of their face and there's no excuse and it's up to them. They can't blame mom and dad for a low allowance. Right. You know what I mean? Do your kids ever compete for it's like, no, I want to do that job. No, I want to do that. Do they ever fight? Is like, no, or is there just enough to do? Not necessarily because we do have some age-based stuff. So the younger kids have a different menu to choose from that's a lot more simple. Lower dollar amount, but lower time and skill needed. So it doesn't seem like they're having issues crossing over. I love that. That's incredible. I have never heard of anyone handling babysitting that way. Yeah. What I love about it is the choice is with the person. Correct. But then there's a reason to do more, not just to be a good person to be asked back again, but you actually, everyone showed up brilliantly. They did. Made that possible. People don't show up brilliantly otherwise. So you actually tapped into you know, something that had people go to their highest level of performance. That's amazing. And I realized that because one time my wife was taking the babysitter home and paid her the normal wage. And we paid a decent wage back then because we really wanted to make sure we had our babysitters say yes. But I got home as she took the babysitter home and I saw the house was a mess. Two of the younger kids weren't even in bed. Like, I was like, what the heck's going on? We, we paid that girl the same amount that we paid the girl last week who actually did 20 different things with our kids in our house. I said, this is wrong because they're getting paid the same, but the effort and outcome is so different. So that's when I realized I've got to change the way we structure the setup here, change the game a little bit so that it would be back on them. And so that's what I'm doing with our kids. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love it. So let's talk about protect who and what they care about and give generously because I think those are interesting ones too. Yeah, so 
I'll tell you a quick story about one of my good friends named Colin Karchner, who started a nonprofit foundation called Save the Kids. He would go around speaking to kids about mental health, and I actually toured with him a little bit. We spoke to probably 10,000 kids in a week. And he was a phenomenal example to me of someone who was really investing in kids' mental health and doing great work. That was his full-time job, his mission, his passion. Rewind to 2020, I think it was October 2020, and he and I had become pretty close. He had me and my teenage daughter on his podcast, and I think his podcasts have been downloaded millions of times. So a really, really well-known speaker. And during the World Series, he was watching the World Series with his kids at his house, and he said he had a headache and he didn't feel good. And his wife was out with some friends and he collapsed right there in front of his kids in the family room, World Series, Dodger game on. And he had a brain aneurysm and passed away suddenly. 40 years old, four little kids. Oh. Horrible, horrible tragedy. Good friend of mine. And this was 2020, which is already a pretty crappy year. You throw onto that the fact that he had never gotten around to doing his personal financial planning and getting any kind of insurance in place. And so here he was doing so much good out in the world, but did not take the time or make the effort to put something in place to protect those, you know, the ones that he cared about. And so they were left with a mortgage. His wife was a stay-at-home mom with these four little kids. And it was a pretty, pretty rough situation. And I had already talked to him many, many times about getting his financial stuff in order. And he just kind of kept procrastinating it. And so... I felt like this was a chapter and a topic to talk about simple ways to teach kids about protecting the things that they care about and the people they care about. Simple stuff. That they don't sound like fun topics, but, yeah. you know, health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, home insurance. The kids can learn a lot and be prepared to be adults if they learn about what it costs to protect the things that are important. If you buy a car at a 16 or 17 years old, my, my daughter's saving up for her first car. She's almost 17. And the cost is not just the car and the gas. There's insurance. Mm -hmm. And you're going to think differently about getting in a little fender bender accident if you know that there's going to be significant cost increases for car insurance when you do that. So I believe this topic is maybe it's not fun to talk about, but it's very important for these young people. My daughter bought a vehicle and the insurance on it was a motorcycle actually at 16. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, her awareness of insurance went up dramatically. <laughs> She's sure. not riding it I'm anymore, sure. so I'm happy about that. Yeah, so that's a really great point. And one other side topic on this, and it goes a little bit to actually their cash flow. There's lots of things I could have done better as a parent. But one piece of advice that I did give that I think was useful, is, well, two. One is I wanted my kids, when they were thinking about what they were passionate about, to regardless, be good at business and be good at technology and then add their passion in. So if you think of a Venn diagram, you know, yeah. but the business, it's like I made them both take business math in high school yeah. because that's where they learn things like checkbooks and, you know, taxes and stuff like that, that most other kids, it's not the academic, they did that too, but it's practical math and they learn stuff that other people 
don't know. And I'm like, okay, one good check in the parent call. (laughs) Lots in the other ones. But it's one of those things that it's offered as sort of like, eh, it's a lower, you know, but it's actually in terms of the life skill, there's lots of adults who need to take that course, right? So I think it's interesting just to put a check mark on that. I think just having that awareness of the daily ins and outs, including insurance and protecting is really key. And I also really appreciate that you have giving and sharing and having enough to share as in terms of giving generously as part of one of your seven money skills. So talk a little bit about that. I think that's critical. Whether you have a lot or have a little, the abundance mindset is important to instill in children because they take it with them. So you may not have a lot or you may have a ton, but giving is something that you should be practicing as a family. And so I share a lot of stories. This chapter has the most stories and examples personally, because it's something we've been focused on for a very long time. And when you talk about helping young people be smart, not spoiled, this chapter is number one. It's giving. It's giving generously. So having them understand that you can have a healthy relationship with money. It's not about hoarding it all for yourself. Money is a means to an end. And I teach the kids that money is not evil. It's not bad to be ambitious. The movies or the Disney movies that have the rich guy be the really evil villain in every single movie, like that's something that I really teach against. And we talk about how money is really a magnifier and it will just essentially magnify who you are. And so if you're a giver and you have financial success, you're going to be able to magnify that and you're going to give even more generously. And so I give examples, you know, we travel a lot as a family. And one thing that we always aim to schedule in the vacations with our kids is service project opportunities, no matter where we are. Mm -hmm. And so one of the stories I share in the book is about It was somewhere in the Caribbean. It might have been the Bahamas, but we took a day and took a taxi ride. It was kind of a long taxi ride out to an orphanage. And we went with the kids, my five kids, and visited an orphanage and spent the whole day essentially reading and playing games and doing stuff with the kids there that don't have parents. And what's interesting is, first of all, the taxi driver was so confused. He's like, what are you guys doing paying me to drive you out here on your tropical vacation, spend a whole day inside with these kids that you don't even know. But when we talk about that vacation with the kids, their favorite highlight was the day at the orphanage. And in fact, on the last day of the trip, my little kids asked if we could go back and say goodbye because they felt like they built a connection and friendships with these kids. And we did some things financially for the orphanage that was cool for them to participate in. So I share a couple stories and ideas about how to teach kids to be generous, but I feel like this is probably the most important chapter because no matter how much income these kids eventually produce in their career and their business, it's only going to be important if it's significant. And if there's significant gifting and there's an attitude about money that isn't selfish. And so when you think of that topic or that title, Smart Not Spoiled, I mean, this is it right here. Yeah, I love that. You just reminded me, I took my first dream trip, which was to Africa. This was in Cape Town. So we went to three different African countries, but we went to the townships and we visited a creche. A creche is a daycare, I've learned. (laughs) That's what it is. It was an orphanage, but that is both my kids, these beautiful kids. Oh my gosh, they were the coolest. And there's like a lot of children all dressed in warm coats because it was winter when we went. Mm. It was actually four years ago today that we were. Wow. Yeah. It's my photos are coming up in my memories. Oh yeah. That's so cool. Oh my God. It was awesome. But that was one of the highlights of the trip. And both my girls 
walked in and the kids were like so excited. One kid was always in front of the camera. They were, they were super cool human beings. And the woman who ran it was incredible. So part of the trip was you made a donation to the thing and that was arranged through the amazing hotel we were at. It was a very special experience because my kids are raised in, you know, pretty nice area. They don't get exposed to a lot of other economic stratas, yep. if you know what I mean. Sure. So to actually introduce them to that, and they both just burst into tears. I'm the sure. kids were so adorable and all over them. And we hung out and we learned how they were learning and what the parents were doing. And I was really impressed by something. I mean, the entrepreneurial spirit in the townships, which are literally shanties, mm. like dirt floors covered with aluminum. Right. And they had their values up in the wall. They had, you know, how to be a good human being. I'm like, I would send my kid here. Yeah. They're all clean, dressed, you know, parents were taking the bus into work every day. You had little entrepreneurial shops and the whole thing, you know, in desperate poverty, but they were still making it work. And I was beyond impressed. But these kids were just gems. They were just yummy. And that was one of the highlights for our kids as well was doing that. Although I actually like the service element too. I wish we could have done more of that, but it was really special. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Your kids won't forget that. And I think that's the whole point is like, how can we help our kids find fulfillment and joy and success and not be selfish with everything they earn? And I think the earlier we instill those values, the longer they will last. Yeah, I think so too. And also just to treat people as people. Yeah. Like I've always taught my kids when there's someone who's homeless or asking for money, even if you don't have any, look them in the eye and say hello. Treat them as a person. Right. They are not something to be ignored, even if you don't have, like just treating them like a human being is something that's really key. Great. And my daughter's told me that that's always stuck with her. So this is why I want everyone to have the benefit <laughs> of this book right. so that we can elevate everyone with these different money skills. You said this point earlier, which I think is pretty profound. And people miss this quote. It's the love of money. Yes. That is the root of all evil. Correct. That's the quote. It's not money itself. Money's right. a tool. Yep. It, like, I love what you said. It amplifies who you are. If you're a giver, it will just give you more opportunity to do that. And that's really what you're enabling people to do with this book. So the other thing I want to talk about this book is the stories and the quotes you have of what people are doing. They're like jaw dropping. <laughs> I'm like people's creativity for how they're instilling financial literacy with their families. I'm in awe. You've collected some pretty cool yeah. methodologies how people are equipping their kids to be successful. I think that might be the best part of the book, not the stuff that I said necessarily, but I think you're right, Shannon. I posted on LinkedIn and Facebook and I just said, if you have great experiences or stories teaching your kids about money, please share. And honestly, I just took some of the best comments. I probably have I don't know, at least 20 to 30 different ideas and real life experiences from all these friends and colleagues and clients and just included them in the book. I thought they'd be helpful. So me reading them, I learned a lot myself even. I thought, you know what? That's a great idea. I would have never thought of that on my own. So I'm hoping Smart Not Spoiled, this book is more like a resource guide of like great ideas for families to really make money a comfortable topic and to help empower their kids and the young people in their lives to be really successful. Well, I love it. And I think without the context of these skills, the stories would just be stories. Sure. They would just be kind of random. So I think it's the actual examples. It's the inspiration. But then you provide a really clear game plan, which I think is really essential. And in some parents can be like, oh, good. I'm good at like four of these, but three of these, I need to up my game. Right. I mean, as you read it, you'd be like, oh, 
I had a different mindset. I need to upgrade that one a little <laughs> bit. So I actually think that for a lot of parents, <laughs> just let's put adults of all ages, sure. it will be very educational and very accessible. So I'm super excited because now that I've, I've got lots of homework to do after reading the book, again, some of them I can go check, check, but there's others like, oh, let's work on that. So I just really, I appreciate you sharing your kind of awareness and your consciousness and your, what you've put in place with your kids, you and Amber, have, you know, such a beautiful family and solving problems innovatively that other people, I might've experienced the same thing with a babysitter, didn't come up with that system. Hmm. Right. So I think that's pretty phenomenal. So I'm very appreciative. Thanks. I know you've got some cool things in the works. I mean, this book's just coming out as we're recording it, right. this conversation, but What's your big plan? Like, what's next after this? Yeah, it's a good question. One thing that has come because of this book is, and it's in the very early stages, so it'll be interesting when people are listening to this podcast how far along we are, but co-owning a company called MyFirstSale.com, which I think is something that all parents should look into. It's really, really cool way to teach kids about entrepreneurship. So it's myfirstsale.com. But the really exciting next level for that is the app we're creating. It's called Gravy Stack. And I hope the name doesn't change by the time this goes live, but it's called Gravy Stack. And it's going to be essentially a financial literacy app for children that will give parents, children, grandparents, mentors opportunities to teach and challenge kids and offer them even to provide that opportunity to pay them for the work that they do. If I could combine a bunch of different apps in one that it will include, it'll almost be like a Venmo wallet for kids. It will be like a Greenlight financial debit card for kids. It will be like a thumbtack where you're outsourcing jobs where kids can say to the you know people in the neighborhood, I'm really good at mowing lawns and edging, or I'm going to do the trash can services in the neighborhood and people can accept or reject the jobs. And then it's also going to be very much gamified to where kids have fun challenging each other to set goals. If someone's saving up for an electric scooter for $400, they're going to be able to learn financial things on the app, earn points and get paid, and it will show their progress towards reaching that goal of saving $400. And then it can have different buckets like giving generously, sharing and donating to charity. They can have a bucket that says saving for college. And so grandma and grandpa or other people in their life could say, you know, what are some things, some challenges that I could donate to that would go into the college bucket? And it just gives kids a chance to learn how to earn money, how to be valuable, how to manage money, how to set goals and achieve them. And it's something that we're really excited about. So that whole opportunity has come because a friend of mine got word that I was writing this book, Smart Not Spoiled. So we will see where it goes. I love how you have a goal and then the byproducts sometimes end up being bigger than the achieving the yes, actual goal. No doubt. Just, no my doubt. career is a result of that. So I'm, I'm a fan. Well, I'm excited because the app will make talking about money normal, yes. right? It'll make it not a big deal. It'll make yep. de-stress it. It will take a lot of the emotion out as we talked about earlier. And I'm excited for that because I know I try, don't know how well I do it, but actually having it, you know, on a screen will make it pretty tangible for people where right now I think it's a little money, especially plastic or digital money, isn't terribly tangible, right? And right. so when you have games and you have things that you can do and then you can go to the store and get it, that makes it way more tangible. And I think that will be a massive contribution to everyone's capabilities with money. So 
That's the goal. We're creating the infrastructure so that it will be very user-friendly and fun and easy for kids, but also engaging so that they can have those money conversations with people around them. And, and it's not weird or scary, but they actually are learning a lot along the way, having fun along the way, and not just learning how to spend money, but learning how to earn money in ways that they enjoy. Yeah, which, you know, that supports entrepreneurism, which is what we are both about. <laughs> thousand percent. So we love that. Well, Chad, thank you. It's super fun to talk to you about one of your massive, it's not even a passion project, but it is a project you're incredibly passionate about. And I know for me as a parent who's struggled with exactly these conversations, I'm very excited and I'm just thrilled to play a small part in hopefully what is an absolutely raving, massive success for you and for everyone who learns from it and who gets to use the app when that's ready. So thanks for being on today. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you, Shannon. Okay, you're welcome.